You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Grow Show. Today on the show, we have Brittany Stokes, president and co-founder of Project Orphans. Brittany, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you on. This is, this is exciting. Yeah. So for our listeners, tell us a little bit about your ministry, um, how you guys got started and what, what you've been up to lately. So Project Orphan started almost, well, four or five years ago. And um, basically, my husband and I were in Mexico. I had surprised him for our one-year anniversary trip and um, somehow ended up, I don't know how we were at a resort and then ended up in an institutional orphanage, but that's where we ended up. And uh, I was working in an advertising firm and came back to the United States after being on this trip. And... I just could not shake those kids' faces out of my head, out of my heart. And for a whole month, I probably tossed and turned in bed. And I remember one day turning over to my husband, I said, you know, I think I need to quit my job and start something for orphans, like Project Orphans. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. And so I called my best friend, who is my uh, roommate in college, and she lives in Atlanta, Christina Yarid, who's also the co-founder of Project Orphans. And she kind of had this passion going at the same time, which is crazy because it was so unlike us, so not what I had ever expected to dive into. And um, we really came up with this idea of family-style orphan care, um, which would be like eight to, t- eight to ten children in a family home. And, um, you know, so that technically once they were in a children's home, they were being adopted into a family. And they never had to worry about, you know, being left alone or uh, being abandoned ever again. And so we built our first home in um, Uganda, Africa, and kind of just like started finding partners around the world to um, that we felt wanted to raise children and wanted to do this family style orphan care and started building homes. And we had built two homes in Guatemala, a home in Haiti and a home in Brazil. And um, that's basically how we got started. We've evolved a lot since then, and we're doing a lot. We've learned a lot, but that's basically what our mission and our goals were when we started the organization. That's fantastic. So tell me a little bit about family-style orphan care and, and how that came about. So, again, when my husband and I were in Mexico, we had seen, you know, there's about 30, 40 kids and, you know, our very cliche bars on the, you know, the doors and the windows of these children's homes, I mean, or of their, you know, orphanage bunk beds. And, you know, there's a place for everything. I'm, I'm not saying what we're doing is the right way, but it was something that I wanted to change and um, I wanted to do differently. And we presented this family style orphan care of eight to 10 children with truly a mom and dad in a home or in Uganda, for example, is a Jaja grandma, but always having a both parent, both parental figures a mother and a father. And um, that's really what God stirred in our hearts. And, you know, 
I will say the children that we've built homes for and the families that are living in them, the difference that you see in those kids' lives. I mean, they are dreaming. They are completely whole because they are being cared for in a way that they both, they needed a mother and a father. And, you know, here in America, sometimes if, you know, you lose a mother, a father might step in or, but sometimes in third world countries, the resources aren't there for those people to do that. You know, they have their own children to worry about. They're just trying to survive. And so it's been really cool to see this opportunity um, presented and how we kind of fulfilled this, I don't know, different way of doing things. And, um, you know, we've learned a lot since the beginning and a lot of what works, what doesn't work, you know, what's, you know, how to, you know, do things differently and you know, each country, I think, is different in its own way. Of course, different cultures, different, you know, the way they do things, you know, what roles do those people play? And so we've had to kind of take a back seat and learn a lot as well from the locals. And, um, you know, Uganda is really somewhere where we are zoning our focus, you know, now in the future. And um, we have a lot of amazing and exciting projects that we're doing out there. And, Um, I love the people of Uganda. We just hired on two full-time family members is what we like to call them, George and Sarah. And I mean, they are part of my family and, um, but they are the heartbeat of the organization and our purpose there in Uganda. And I mean, everyone they meet and mentor and every child that they come into contact with and family member, I mean, they are truly representing who Jesus Christ is to them. That's really cool. So let's dive into that a little bit more because I, that family style orphan care is, is something I think um, sounds a little bit unique to you guys. And so tell me a, a little bit more about always having a mother and father figure in your homes. Are they are they always a, a married couple that is leading these homes or is it just a uh, a mother figure and a father figure as long as there's a male female figure um, leading the home? How does that work? Yeah, every country is different. Um, In Guatemala, there was uh, two couples that were from the United States, uh, two two sets of couples, but they're actually related. And they had approached us, you know, with this dream too of family style orphan care. So for them, it was unique. They were both married. They were actually related. And now they're in Guatemala and they are um, wanting to even adopt those children as their own, the ones that they're raising, which is really cool. In Brazil, um, uh, the two partners that are the partner that we have are married, but in each family style home is like a, a, a widow or an elderly woman or a woman who needed a job. Um, and she's kind of raising that or maintaining that home. But because we have a boys home in, Uganda, uh, in Brazil and then over that, though, over the arching ministry is um, both a married, a married couple. And then the home we had built for in Uganda, um, again, was a married couple. And then George and Sarah were um, managing that home and they were married and they were truly looked at as the parental figures. And so, yeah, everything we've we've, you know, done this model and you know, we've really seen a lot, a huge success in that, um, you know, the whole well-rounded child, you know, you're not just touching them educationally, but you're touching them spiritually and uh, physically and emotionally and all different needs and all different levels. And uh, George and Sarah in Uganda, particularly, um, you know, we're building a home, it's called Subi Home, it's a home of hope. And, um, It'll be in Kampala, Uganda. George is finishing his de- degree in 
social work. And the goal is, you know, a lot of these kids do have relatives and distant relatives. And, you know, we can't take in millions and millions of kids that have been displaced. And so George is really showing people that maybe uncles or cousins, you know, what is a father figure? Sarah's doing the same thing for, you know, the women who have been, you know, abused or left as a widow or, you know, have lost their husband to AIDS. What is a motherly figure? And then kind of wherever the gap is, is where Project Orphans really tries to step in. And, you know, a father figure also is a provider. And so with these children, we want to provide them with an education because, you know, that's really something that will change their life and something that many of the families in Uganda can't necessarily do. And so we launched our Education for a Nation sponsorship program in Uganda recently. And it's just been really exciting to see what role we're playing in the in a broken family, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. So is this family style orphan care a part of the messaging when you guys do uh, fundraisers and, and advertising and getting your message out to your supporters. Is that a part of that storytelling process? So definitely say um, as we've grown and expanded, you know, we've really had to position ourselves in different ways. That was our main focus for four or five years. We raised over half a million dollars for family style orphan care. And I will say that every single dollar that went to those programs and those homes truly has made a huge impact. As we move forward and as we're getting our NGO in Uganda right now, we're really seeing ourselves be a, you know, not just a, we really have learned not just to be a handout, but a hand up. And that's a big focus for us. You know, the commission of serving the widows and the orphans, sometimes it just kind of, you focus on the orphans and the widows, you know, not meaning to, but we forget how to do that, or it's kind of more complicated sometimes. So as we move forward and we're getting our NGO in Uganda, we've really, um, you know, dived into a, the heart of George and Sarah, what is their passion? What do they see in Uganda? I will say the most success, the most pivotal tool for us is finding locals that we know we can trust with all our heart because they're the ones that are truly going to be the catalyst of this change. And so, um, you know, they've seen this huge, and I'll I'll give you guys a, you know, we're launching a very exciting program and a new community plan in um, March, which you guys are traveling with us in January to kind of share about. And so I don't want to give too much, but it's going to hit both the widows and the orphans at the same time and care for them and serve in a way that we really feel, you know, is going to we can play a role in the widow's life and then also in the orphan's life. And um, I'm really excited about it. It's been something we've been researching and planning and praying for the past three, four months with Sarah and George. And um, it's called the, our next gala in March on September or March 9th is called the hidden jewel. And we're really excited to unveil that project with people. That's exciting. Yeah. I love that. I love that quote that you just said, leaders are the catalyst of change. I think that's so important to realize that um, as we try to go in and and rescue and and do these social justice projects that uh, to keep in mind that leaders are so important and pivotal in, um, in that, especially when you're trying to, you're working with children, there's, they can't do a lot themselves. And so you have to have that leadership uh, both, both on your end and on at the national level with the partners you choose to work with, yeah, so. I say George and Sarah, I mean, they're married and they have their own son, Conrad. And, 
you know, it's really cool when you start, you know, Christina and I, we don't know everything. We, you know, when you really are open and you say, Lord, like, what is your plan? What is your vision? How are we here to serve you? And then you get, you know, all different people from different sides of it in different nationalities in different countries with different passions and hearts. And then you find this vision and unification in it because it's all for the same purpose and the same glory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, I'm really excited. I, I love our team. I love, you know, the people we work with and the people we serve. And, um, I think that's probably one of the best feelings of the day is you wake up and you feel like you're a part of a family, everyone at project orphans, we don't take salary, um, besides, you know, our workers in Uganda. Um, but here on the state side, knowing we're all volunteer because we believe in this and Mm -hmm. I'm a mom, I have two kids and I have a job. And, um, so Christine has a full-time job and somehow God just gives us the energy to do pull all nighters or all weekenders. And, (laughs) you know, and, and it's just cause we love the people we are serving, you know, and the people we're serving with. And so, I don't know. It makes me really excited at the end of the day, just, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but the way it's going now, it's it's really exciting. That's awesome. Well, good for you guys. So can you dive into a little bit about what God is doing through you guys currently? What's the, I mean, you touched on it a little bit with some of your upcoming uh, announcements and projects, but what has God been doing on the ground in Uganda, in Brazil, in Guatemala, in Haiti uh, in the last maybe month? Yeah. So really exciting news. Um, our partner in uh, Brazil needed a well this year, and um, we were able to uh, give them a well for their village. We have a we've built the boys' home that'll be opening in February of next year, and they actually I think they hit like a water table. So really great because they're actually now going to be able to sell the water and make an income, and not only they will never have a water bill again, and so really awesome to see the sustainability on that side. As far as um, Guatemala, the families there have been working with the judge, petitioning with the judge to bring um, some of the kids, all their kids that are with them. They Both families have about eight to 10 kids in the homes and um, they're working to bring them and meet their families here in the United States. And then um, their end goal is to adopt them as their own, which is cool because Guatemala is shut down to do international adoptions right now. But because these families have been there so long, um, there's like they're grandfathered in as a local, you know, they've lived there long enough to adopt. And it's not they want to just adopt one. They're adopting eight children on top of their own. And I think that's God's heartbeat and um, really cool to see that happening. Um, The boys home in Haiti, Haiti was just hit pretty crazy and uh, not, you know, with everything that happened, natural disasters. And so um, the boys home is fully furnished, ready to go. They're just waiting on some poles and some materials that the government is not bringing in right now um, because of some politics. But once they have that, they'll move the boys in. It's just kind of safety concerns that we want to make sure we can build that fence um, or they want to make sure that that gets taken care of. And then, um, again, Uganda, I mean, that's been our main focus for the past few months and somewhere where we really feel like the Lord's putting our direction and zone focus. Everything else is pretty much sustainable and those partners are set and ready to go and care for those kids and just grow those children as their own. And so, you know, we kind of take a back seat and now we become cheerleader there. But in Uganda, we are, 
you know, we've recently launched our um, Education for a Nation sponsorship program, which is going great. Um, all the kids had their interviews this week and last week and uh, got into school. And, um, you know, that's been a pretty intense uh, road, um, even just working with whether it's the grandmother of the kids or a stepfather or, um, you know, we've had to get some local authorities involved in some of the cases. And sometimes I think that's the hardest part of this is separating you know, I'm on the phone driving to OU. My husband was playing, his basketball team was playing against OU. Oral Roberts was playing OU. And I was on the phone with uh, Sarah and George because one of our kids, you know, looked as though they were being abused and some situations. And it's just like, oh, how is this happening? And, you know, it's just my kids sitting in the back watching Frozen. And I'm like, Lord, <laughs> like, you got, <laughs> you know, protecting your heart in this whole thing is key because, you know, and you can just, you can sit all day and sob, you know, and cry. Right. And somehow I just, I don't know how I have, but like the Lord's just given me the grace to be going from mom to turning that, you know, being turning on a different switch and then going to the basketball game. And, you know, it was really awesome to just see how God can just use you wherever you are and in whatever role you are. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Just showing up and being obedient to whatever he's called you to and allowing him to work through you and, and, and use you as a vessel. So that's well done to you guys. Um, that's cool. So I want to trans transition a little bit. Um, what has been one of the hardest lessons you guys have learned as you've started out and, and progressed over the last four to five years growing project orphans? What's been the, one of the big, difficult lessons? Um, I think when you're starting an organization or you're in the middle of a growth organization or you're in growth spurts, you never, you know, I always say God never tells you, you don't ever say God won't do this with you because I look at where I would, I say that we would be in Uganda, Africa or all these places. And, but primarily opening organ focusing on this. I don't think I would. I mean, his plans are his plans. And, you know, sometimes we just don't know. And so, um, you know, the way I thought things would happen, the way I thought the way people I thought would be partners, or the way I thought people would donate or those type of things, I would, I would definitely say it's all in God's hands. And, you know, never say never. And, um, you know, some of the hardest things I've learned is what I thought truly, or, you know, passionately, what I believed the direction of the organization would be was not the direction the Lord was taking. And I think that was, you know, especially this year, God has closed a lot of doors that I thought would be open and that, you know, we would be walking through. And that was really hard for me. You know, we've, we hit a position and it was like, you know, God, where are you going with this? But you know what? His plan is always so great. And I look at it now and I'm like, wow. Like if I had to go through that to show, know that I had to trust him in this and that he had my back in this and he was going to bring these people to be part of this, like it was totally worth it, you know? And sometimes it's good to go back to those realities. And um, so, yeah, I would definitely say, you know, the biggest thing for us was, you know, places we thought we were going, people we thought we were going with, you know, God has to call you and, you know, we all are serve as the body of Christ and it's really cool to see people come together, but 
you can't ask someone to do something that's not their vision. But that doesn't mean God didn't tell you still to do your vision. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is knowing that when God gives you a vision, you have to go with it. But maybe that other person isn't supposed to run that race with you anymore. And, um, you know, so that it was a big learning curve and something that definitely I've had to learn a lot from. And I think being humble in it too, you know, we never have the right answer, know everything that's going to happen. And I think that's a big part of, you know, don't feel bad for not ending up where you thought you were going to be or who you thought you're going to be doing it with, you know, God's got your back, but you got to do what you're called to do, you know? Right. Well, yeah, the, the Lord is working on us and sanctifying us just as much as he's working to rescue children and, and bring unbelievers to him himself. Like he's always, he's always in work on both ends and it's easy to forget or easy to not remember that. Yeah, Lord, I'm, I've answered this call and as executives of, of ministries where we feel like, okay, I've, I've stepped down to this call and you want me to do this work you've called me to Lord. But at the same time, he's also wanting to work on our own hearts and, and, um, bring us closer to himself as well uh, as the executives of these ministries that, that we're running. So he's, he's so good and, and such an amazing God that he's in work in both places. Um, and so that's, that's important to keep in mind and remember as we, as we lead our organizations. Yeah. And maybe even it's funny, you know, the president and co-founder, but I would definitely say God definitely founded this vision way before I did. Oh and Yeah. Definitely the president of this organization because he's the one that's bringing the people just like you. You know, you guys are a huge asset and a tool for us to be able to share what we're doing. It's like, you know, God's the one that's orchestrating it all. So, you know, maybe I, Christina and I have always said the minute it becomes about Brittany, Project Orphans has become about Brittany or Christina, we've lost what we're supposed to be doing. And, uh, you know, so all the glory to him and everything that we do for sure. And um, so, yeah. That's really cool. It's good that you guys have kept that in mind as you've stepped out in faith and followed this call. So obviously for any 501c, fundraising is a huge necessity to growing any ministry. There's got to be finances behind what we're doing. Um, I did not know this. (laughs) You didn't know this stepping into this this call that the Lord put on you? Yeah. Yeah. So what is, what's your guys' approach to fundraising? What have you learned as you've grown over the last five years about fundraising? Maybe talk about some of the um, maybe hardships or difficulties you've run into with fundraising. I mean, fundraising is, for us, the least favorite, my least favorite part. I, I didn't want to get into um, running a ministry to be a fundraiser, but it's just part of being an executive director. And so what have you guys learned as you've figured this whole fundraising piece out? man, I don't think we've figured it out yet, but I will say relationships are huge for us and treating people the way that they want to be treated. And people don't want to be checks. I mean, they really don't. And for us, it's, we want people when they know that they're sewing into this organization to know that they are part of it. We could not do it without them. And, um, fundraising scary. You know, I would probably say I handled 90% of the fundraising and, um, I, we get big dreams and, um, and not only that, George and Sarah, you know, now are a part of our family and someone that are, they're depending on us. And so 
you know, and not only that, you look at the children in our sponsorship program. I mean, how many people have come in and out of these children's lives? And so, you know, sometimes I weigh that burden and it's very heavy. And, um, but I look at, you know, A, God's in control, but B, like when you treat people with relationships, I mean, I've read so many statistics about donors that come in and out out of three years. That's kind of the peak point. But when you treat people how they want to be treated and you treat them just as you would when you give, I've, I really believe that they feel as though they're a part of this journey. You know, like I said, it's not about Christina and I. We're just the ones that are somehow being used to get this stuff going. But there are people that we believe, you know, so into. And then we have those events that, you know what, there are people that are just going to come and they want to have a good meal and they want to have a good time and they care about this cause, but they're not going to give long term. And that is fine. That is totally fine. And I so I think you've got to look at every relationship as itself. And you know what, wherever they are, thank them. I mean, we have donors who give $25 a month for our sponsorship program. Some of them, that's a huge deal. And you know what? They are truly the catalyst of changing those kids' lives. And I thank them. I mean, they may never be able to write a $1,000, $5,000 check, but that's okay because they're what we could not do without them. And not only that, they're building a personal relationship with the kids that they are sponsoring, which I don't have time to encourage each children in our, child in our program or each adult in our program. Or, so everyone has their role. And um, I you know, we're getting ready to, like I said, do our gala and I'm selling tables and uh, I'm in that whole, like, maybe I'm preaching to myself right now, but it's all going to work out. And the people that are going to be there, the seats that are going to be filled, those are the ones that are supposed to be there. So I think when you look at things as a long-term relationship though, that's where I've seen the success. Um, and then, I mean, I'm a huge advocate when it comes to creative and marketing. If you can't share that story, they're not going to understand it, you know, and that's why I'm a firm believer in what you're doing. I mean, I, without you guys and without what you're doing or people who have a heartbeat like you, fortunately, we've had some videographers who have, you know, donated their time in the past, which has allowed us to share. And I mean, I'm excited, you know, you guys are kind of coming in a huge point of our ministry and our organization to share like where we're going for the next five to 10 years. And without people like you, I mean, I'm a firm believer. If you don't share the story and truly make someone understand what that is, because, you know, Sally Joe may never meet, you know, their child in Uganda. Um, but if I can build that relationship, that, that Sally Joe would be there for that child for the rest of that child's life. Mm -hmm. And so I think relationships is key and, you know, always treating each other or treating someone like a person and not looking them, you know, as a donor or as a check. I mean, there's been some huge gifts that have come in this year and they never gave more than, you know, than the normal regular donor. And so I look at that and I'm like, wow. And that's just because relationship, you know, you still care about the person because they still have a heart for the organization. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's definitely what I would say. And so you guys are being intentional about bringing your donors and your month-to-month -month givers and the, your sponsor, sponsors of the children in on, in on the experience so they get to feel like they are a part of and are a part of because of how you're sharing that experience uh, of what you guys are doing. They're an integral part without them project orphans doesn't exist right and it doesn't it really doesn't <laughs> that's cool so is is your fundraiser 
what percentage of, of what you guys will do this year is that fundraiser versus what, what's the rest of the year look like as far as your sponsors month to month? So our overhead is less than 2% for our whole entire ministry. Um, Cause no one takes a salary and you know, all of our, the, when we take mission trips, it covers our travel, which is awesome. So um, the gala though, we've done probably every two to three years because you know, a lot of organizations, and I'm not saying that maybe we're doing it wrong, but we've only done it every two to three years because we make that money last, you know, for a good two to three years. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so that, I mean, this is, you know, we try, we go through, you know, newsletters and e-newsletters and things like that. But I would say, you know, we have a few monthly givers that have been really a catalyst for the organization, but the gala has been something that, you know, I, we work, we bust our booty for because everything is donated um, for the most part. And again, we do it at places that we feel, you know, are treating our donors how we would want to be treated, you know? And so um, they love the night. It's a great night, but we're very intentional to why we're there because we only get into our room once every two to three years. And so they know that when they're coming, they're coming to see what has happened, kind of like a board meeting, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But then they also know where we're going for the next two to three years. And then we have a good time while we're doing that. And so, um, yeah, so that's been something huge. And then all of our sponsorship, we grow our sponsorship program, our education program at the rate that it grows. Um, so as more sponsors come on, because we truly, you know, it's kind of intense on our website. We say, don't, don't just sign up and then come in and out of this in two or three, four or five months. You know, we understand that $25 is a lot of money for some people. And, you know, we understand the time it takes to encourage or write a letter. And we understand that. And, but this child has truly had people come in and out of their life for the past, you know, however long they've been alive. And we need you to be that one constant thing that's not going to leave them because they're going to see their your picture. They're going to put it in their Bible. They're going to put it on their door. They're going to put it above their, you know, clay floor mat, whatever they're sleeping on. And they're going to look at that and they're going to be inspired each and every day. And they're going to look for that letter that comes every three to four months and want to tell you that they're doing good in science class or math and we need you to be there for them. And so I take that very seriously, that program, because I really truly believe when you come into a child's life, especially a child like that, to step away is, you know, heartbreaking for that kid. And so... I mean, it's kind of our disclosure before you sign up. So <laughs> you're giving your life away. <laughs> that's awesome. They grow up. And maybe that's bad. Maybe we grow a little slower at our program. But again, quality over compromise is huge for us. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're looking for consistency from your supporters so that you can provide that consistency for your kids. And then, and then uh, on the flip side, providing consistency back to your supporters and how often you are presenting them with, hey, here's what we've been up to and here's what is happening with your child so that they continually feel like it, they are a part of what you're doing, not just, hey, thanks for your money up front and you'll hear from us next year. Next year when we need it, yeah. <laughs> so let's transition a little bit. Um, I want to talk about discipleship. You guys are uh, – you're – Maybe more fo your focus is social justice and and making sure that you are rescuing these children out of um, the the lives that they 
are going to live. So how do you guys work discipleship into your programs? Yeah. Um, well, discipleship, discipleship's huge. I mean, if you build a home and I don't see those kids in heaven one day, then we've totally lost everything. Mm-hmm. And um, so I look at the families that are raising the children in uh, Guatemala and, U- and Brazil and Haiti and very much believers, very much want to instill who God is um, in those children's lives. And um, and then you go into Uganda and George and Sarah, I mean, every day. So every week, without a doubt, if not every day, George sends us a scripture verse. You know, me, our team, Christina, myself, Sarah and George, you know, and make sure that we're all on the same page spiritually. But it's really cool, you know, when we bring in these programs and these families and these kids, you know, and these women, you know, where are they at spiritually? And then how do we get them to know that you're not just getting support because you know, you say you love Jesus or we want you to say you love Jesus, but we want you to know who Jesus truly is for you. So working with the local church, working with the local leaders, like that program that I told you we're going to be launching in March. Um, you know, we've been meeting with the local pastor and leaders there. That's huge because we can't come in once a year and say, hey, here's a Bible and here's, you know, this is who God is and Jesus loves you and bring our mission seems. I mean, that's great for showing who Jesus is on a consistent basis. But let's have a leader or someone who's in authority over them and, you know, make sure that they truly are spiritually serving. And it was kind of cool. I was in um, we had built a home for um, uh, some kids in Uganda and um, Charles, I was in the back of the van with him. And I've known Charles for the past five, four or five years, maybe four, four years. And he's growing up. He's getting ready to probably go on his own and it was just really cool to, we had this moment where we were sitting in the back of the truck, handing out clothes and some Muslim children came up to us and, you know, he was, you know, with me and I said, Hey, do you guys know Jesus? And they're like, you know, no, don't talk to us about that. Don't talk to us about that. And I was like, why? Like, let me share who Jesus is. And Charles looked at me and he goes, but Brittany, if, or he was like, auntie Brittany, if you tell them who Jesus is, they'll go home and they might be beaten for it. And it was really, really intense for me because just even telling those kids who Jesus was, was the, was the option that that child might get beaten, whether it's, they accepted Jesus in their heart or not. Right. And I looked at that moment and I asked Charles, I said, but Charles, what if they never hear of Jesus again? And he looked at me and he started telling them about Jesus. And I thought that was pretty incredible because it's like there he knew that that was more important than them, you know, and I, and we talked about it after and he goes, you know, we talked about how here is so short, but you know, eternity is forever. And it was just really cool to just see, you know, that kind of felt like a family moment where his wheels and his mind was starting to turn and think about things. And I mean, those moments are awesome. And I really hope that every kid that we've built homes for every kid who we touch in some way, whichever program they might be in, that they truly know Jesus for themselves and that it's so important for them that they would take that all, their own life, you know, and put themselves because, I mean, we're not talking about the United States where we are free to believe in what we are. We're talking about major persecution sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just really cool, proud moment for sure to see that happen. That's cool. 
So then within, even within the, um, education opportunities that you guys are doing is, is like Bible training, a part of what you guys are raising the kids up in. Are you in, are you infusing that into all of your programs? What does that look like tangibly? Yeah. So whenever we spot, um, you know, interview a family, we don't, ex- it's not like we would reject them if they don't know who Jesus is. Right. However, they know that they're entering in a pro- program where they have to learn who Jesus is. And, um, you know, a big thing for us too, again, quality without compromise, all the kids go to private Christian schools. Um, you know, over there, it's amazing to go to a private school. Well, we're not just doing it because of the education side, but the fact that they're learning who Jesus is. And then we make sure that we ask them, you know, this is a church that's in your area. If they're not going to church, if they don't know about church, if they don't. And we make sure to follow up that, you know, they're going to go to church, that we're going to talk to the pastor. We're going to continue to spiritually monitor where they're at. Not that, you know, there's different levels of spirituality or anything, but we want to make sure that they are getting fed or learning. And each person has to learn on their own time. And so there's a point where we don't want to push and force because, again, free will is huge. And if we don't have these people make their own decision on their own, then it doesn't really matter. So, you know. I think the discipleship of just showing who Jesus is and being constant. And that's why I say too, having George and Sarah on the ground or the partner, the people who we've built the homes with, they are constant replication of who Jesus is. And when you see it enough and you don't see someone waver on their faith, then you start to say, Hey, you know what? That person's always been there. George was telling me a story about someone he was ministering to and he was, you know, drunk and, you know, he was wasted on, um, on, you know, um, and he was driving a taxi and George said, you know what? I think you need to know who Jesus is. And he said, you know, I think this is why maybe some things in your life may be going this way and things like that. And the man said, no, not right now. And George gave him his number. He said, one day you'll, you'll remember me and you'll need to know who Jesus is and you'll want to know. And the man called him back. And I think it was a few months later and you know, accepted Jesus in his life because he remembered something that George had said. And I just think it's so true to be constant in who you are. And then they'll believe, hey, this is real. This isn't going anywhere. You know, something in them is something I want. And so, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Making sure that we realize that obviously salvation is up to the Holy Spirit, but we're still called to be bold and still called to uh, share and proclaim that that truth and allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Very cool. Um, one last question before we wrap this up. So what is, um, how are you guys keeping your supporters engaged and excited about your ministry on a consistent basis? What are some tangible things that you are doing to keep them updated, keep them a part of, um, a part of that story and feeling like they are, uh, having intimate relationships with the kids that they're supporting and and just always being in touch with what you guys are doing. So I would say we're pretty good at social media where, you know, we're trying to stay on top of that. So that's one way, you know, people are on Facebook all the time and they're on social media and it does take some time to do it, but you know what? It's the best way for them to say, Hey, Oh, you know what? I forgot, you know, my sponsorship money just went out. Look, they just had their interviews. That's so cool. Oh, I need, you know, just little reminders like that. So we definitely try to, you know, keep things fresh on social media um, and then as well send about three e-newsletters a month or a in the year. And then, um, you know, video content is huge. And for us, you know, 
it's the best way to communicate what we're doing because then they're seeing it, they're believing it. And um, another way we believe truly is by opening up missions trips too. So that, you know what, if they want to come check it out, you know, come along and, you know, see what's going on and, you know, FBC and um, we've worked with an or a, a church out in um, Pittsburgh, Texas. And I love how engaged they are with everything that we're doing and how they want to come see and they want to be in the hands and the feet and they want to be, you know, part of everything that we're doing. And I think that's great because we need that. And then there's some people that are like, hey, I just want a letter once a year. Just give me a recap. So I think we try to hit all areas and, um, you know, maybe I'm still trying to figure it out. It's a lot of work to put a lot of this stuff together. I think being intentional with what your message is and um, not only that, but don't just, you know, show the successes. Don't always just show the need. I'm so excited to write a newsletter and just be like, hey, it is going great, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's a huge part that I've seen, you know, it's it, yes, there's a lot of stuff that we need and there's a lot of stuff that we pray for and there's a lot of dreams to be funded. But you know what? Things are great right now and they'll grow at their own pace and their own momentum, you know? Yeah, it's presenting a message of of hope. Like, yes, there's a huge need, but at the same time, God is moving in amazing ways and here's how God is moving and you can be a part of that. And that, that hopeful message, I think, is... Um, Something that a lot of ministries forget uh, that that they are constantly presenting the need, and it's you can look at a, a, a organization's website and it just kind of feels down and in the dumps. But God is moving in incredible ways. He's always way ahead of us, and and called us into what He's already doing. And so, being in sharing that story, just sharing what He's doing, the successes that He's uh, having, and and the exciting things that he's doing is is a really uh, we think is a really successful way of of presenting that story and getting that message out. Like, yes, there's huge need, but at the same time, God is doing incredible way incredible things in this 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 and this way. Well, and I'm excited to have you guys come out to Uganda with us in February and pick your brains and hear what you guys think. And you know, again, just different perspectives. Growth is great. And, it's, we really appreciate everything that you guys are doing and how you guys are sewing into all these ministries and different ways, you know, that we truly need. So, well, thank you. Yeah, we're, we're super excited to travel with you guys. Well, Brittany, this has been amazing. Uh, I think this is going to bring a ton of value to our audience. Can I pray for your ministry before we get off the line? Yeah, that would be great. Perfect. Lord, I just lift up Project Orphans and Brittany. I just uh, pray that you would do and continue to do amazing things through this ministry and through Brittany and uh, and Christina. I pray that you would just uh, explode the ministry that um, whether it's in size or in depth and how they are reaching these children um, in this family style orphan care home. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just do something amazing that only you could do and that Brittany and Christina would continue to be um just available and and in tune with with the direction you are taking them. So, Father, I just lift them up to you. Uh, I pray amazing things over the ministry and over them, and uh, just ask that you would continue to rescue uh, for your name and for your glory. I just thank you that you love us. You love us regardless of us. And so uh, we thank you that we get to be a part of um, the redemption of humanity, be a part of what you're doing. It's such an exciting uh, story. So Lord, thank you so much. And I pray blessings over this ministry. Um, 
In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Brittany, this has been awesome. How can our listeners get a hold of you and stay up to date on Project Orphans and, and what you guys are doing? Yeah, visit the website, projectorphans.org um, and Facebook and Instagram. And then, you know, again, if you know, my email's on there. If you guys have any other questions, direct questions, and you can also Facebook message us. And so, yeah, I give out my cell phone, but I don't know how many, I don't know what <laughs> to <laughs> They can just uh, hit you up on email. Exactly. So I probably hand out that number way too often, <laughs> but yeah, no, for sure. And we really appreciate it. And, uh, this is really cool. We're excited to see this launch and, uh, again, travel with you guys. Yeah, definitely. We're excited to go with you in February. Well, thank you, Brittany. Have a good rest of your day and, uh, and we'll be in touch. Perfect. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ministry grow show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it. If you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.